Hello. Welcome to Lunch with Doug. We're talking with Patrick Skaggs again today. We're going to join that conversation from, uh, we started on a previous episode, and uh, we're going to continue in the conversation here today on Lunch with Doug, right after this. This episode of Lunch with Doug is produced by the Music Exerbia Project and made possible by the Boutique Marketplace at 500 East Cherry Street, in Nevada, Missouri. Karen McNair, the friendly neighborhood nutritionist at 269-267-4644. The Harry Frog Graphics, 150 North Commercial Street in fabulous Nevada, Missouri, or call them at 417-381-1077. The second edition shop located at 500 East Cherry Street in fantastic Nevada, Missouri. The Main Square Cafe, located on the square, 121 North Main Street, Nevada, Missouri. The Gamers Fusion, located at 617 East Cherry Street, Nevada, Missouri. Impact Graphics, located at 14144 East Highway 54 or call them at 417-283-2056. The Nevada Tobacco and Liquor Store, located at 125 West Cherry Street in Nevada, Missouri. The Nevada Coin. 123 East Cherry Street, Nevada, Missouri. I'm your host, Dangerous Doug Harper. Thank you for spending your lunchtime with me. So when I went to broadcasting school, they put you in, a, in the orientation to fill out your applications and all that. They put you in a room. Everybody's filling out applications. Uh-huh. And then they pulled one guy out of the room and you don't think much of it, okay? Phone call something, maybe it's his time to be interviewed. All of a sudden, the TV comes on by itself that's in the room. Oh, wow. And he's in front of a camera at a news desk, and they are having him ad-lib a news story. <laughs> that guy's lucky. He didn't know what he was getting into. Now, we all have to sit in here for the 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour before they pull us sweating it. To do that. Knowing yeah. that we have to go <laughs> in that room. That was horrible. I get in there. I read the script, but I'm frozen. I'm a deer in the headlights. And then they give you a pencil and wanted us to ad lib like a commercial and try to sell this pencil. And I mean, <laughs> that was kind of laughable to a point. But I was just like, I can't do this. Stop. Fail me on this. Give me an F now. I'm not even in class yet. I can't do it. Took me to the radio station area, put a mic in front of me. You know, you're in a room recording. No problem. Yeah. Not a problem. I know this is, you know, I'm going to get in radio and people are going to be listening to me and I will still have an audience. But it was just that fact of knowing somebody staring at me. Yeah drove me crazy it's hard to perform when you can see people's eyes i tell people all the time i said it's harder to perform for four people than it is to perform for like five thousand because you don't know who's out there and then yeah, it's all dark that's... you can't see them but those four people you can see every one of them's eyes and they're all glaring at you and you're like all eyes on me all four of them <laughs> so it's, it's a lot harder no pressure no <laughs> pressure and they're, they're within arm's reach, so if they don't like it, I guess they could slap you, too. I don't know. <laughs> they have a lot more of that at concerts or now. Or reach you with a tomato, you know? <laughs> People throwing things at the, you know, at the bands <laughs> nowadays. 
You know, that's only punk music, and it's usually a compliment. But any other time, any other genre, no. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. So I couldn't do the bands with my friends. But, but you did kind of play, I guess, what I understood. This is a long mm-hmm. time ago again, too. I may have forgotten things. But you kind of were in a band, but it wasn't. Maybe you guys just did, like, kind of played around at the place for yourself. Just then. some garage stuff. Yeah. I mean, I self-taught. My brother, my older brother, self-taught. And I just kind of followed in his footsteps guitar. Yeah. And I did take some bass lessons, a few. Yeah. And mostly self-taught on that. Um, but I was never really a musician, more of a singer. Yeah. So you maybe just didn't perform with the band, but you, but you did perform with the band at times in a in a casual setting, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to have a toe in somewhere, <laughs> probably. But that led to you know going out to a lot of my friends' shows, finding new bands, uh-huh. um, and just getting that circle. And the big thing was. My um, best friend's older sister got us on a lot of new music. You know, my brother gave me classic rock. You know, I had the gospel from my grandparents, the pop from my mom, the country from my dad. But she was bringing in ska music. She was English beat. You know, she's the one that got us into poison, hair metal, <laughs> and all of this when we were, you know, just 11, 12 years old. So by the time we were 13 and go to go out long enough to go to an all-age show, uh-huh. <laughs> when you could go past the street lights coming down, um, she took us to um, a band called Sinister Dane at this all-age club called Bastilles. Uh-huh. And she knew the guitarist. The guitarist was went to school with her in the high school. And so we became really good acquaintances through her and my best friend though he he became like you know attached at the hip with uh, the bassist um donald williams and it was kind of like a big brother little brother thing and so it was kind of like i'm gonna sit back you know i'm shy guy anyway i'm gonna sit back i'm gonna let you know this relationship be his relationship we're still bffs you know we're still best friends this is his thing and he had no brothers, so good for him. But we went to a lot of shows, met a lot of other bands. You have, of course, The Urge. You have to uh-huh. mention The Urge when you talk about St. Louis. And those two bands came up about the same time. We're coming up together. I don't know if there was a beef or not, but I know during the time that I was hanging with the band Sister Dane, that those guys never toured any more together. They never performed shows, but apparently uh-huh. they did back in the day. And so I don't know if there is any grievance. That's the enemy over there. Everybody's getting popular at the same time. Um, love to have been a fly on the wall about that. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Fragile Porcelain Mice is another band that was coming up at that time. Very underground, but extremely popular band. Of course, you had bands that um, Gravity Kills. They, you know, they yep. went on to sign a major record label. Um, King of the Hill signed a major record label. Sinister Dane signed a major record label as well. The Urge, 
as you know. So that's, they're all getting big. That's at the funny. Same time. I just saw something about King of the Hill just the other day. Oh, Apparently, yeah. they're still playing. Yeah, um, I saw that too because I was. It's so hard. It might have been something I saw because of your page. Maybe you shared something through that. Possibly. Um, it, it's so hard when you're older and you don't have that time to go find new music or to see things. Uh-huh. You know, the great thing is we have technology yeah. to do that for us. It finds you now. <laughs> but it's still not the same as, you know, being able to go out to the yeah. clubs every night and see bands and live that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's even something that, like, I think a lot of people talk about, like, live music and and the scene and stuff and and they're like oh i wouldn't go see that or whatever but there's some kind of there's just some kind of element sometimes even if it's a terrible band and you don't really like them there's some kind of just some kind of real vibe that you can get just by seeing the show like i've have i have bands that we've seen and and we thought were maybe just ridiculous but those are some of our best memories. Oh, you remember the time we went and seen or your favorite band, you know, and it's always ha ha ha. And then you find yourself like years later, you're like, hey, those guys are playing. And then you go see them. You're like, we're going to go see them again because, well, we had a blast. They were a terrible band, but we had a blast. Maybe they got better, you know, in the years. <laughs> Definitely. You have your friends. So that's the, that's the biggest thing is having your friends and hanging out with your friends. Um, you also have those times. I was at a club, The Other World. And they had um, a band called Bad Brains playing. Now, Bad Brains is a very big in the punk world. Uh-huh. They're, you know, they came up in the 70s, and they're from based out of Washington, D.C. And so they've had an influence on everybody, you know, the, anybody that you actually know, like yeah. Green Day, all those guys. Yeah. Anybody in the punk world is going to tell you one of their idols is Bad Brains. They came to town. We had to go see them. Sure. We get in there, and we find out there's two opening acts. Okay. You know, that's not unusual. And then the first act was late, 20 minutes late. That's probably their whole set, if that, you know, 20 minutes. Um, so the show's behind. People are getting anxious. They finally get on. Horrible. <laughs> Um, I won't even mention the, the band's name to, you know, just in case. It's a small world. Yeah. But everybody's just like, just get off the stage. Get <laughs> off the stage. We want to see Bad Braids. They finish their set really quickly. The next band's coming up on stage. We're like, oh, here we go again. We're, it's getting late. I want to see Bad Brains. Let's get on with this. Well, this band dropped the first note, and I think everybody was floored. And this band was releasing an album the next month, and the band's name was The Deftones. Oh, wow, yeah, of course. And blew everybody away in the place. Of course, they they blew Bad Brains out of the water. No disrespect to Bad Brains, but Uh Bad Brains, you know, it was an older band as well. And everybody in... All my friends, we got to get that album. Yeah. We got to get that album. So you go to the record store, uh-huh. you know, throwback. <laughs> yeah. And we got that. They came back a couple months later in October uh-huh. after it was released. And they opened up for Anthrax. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a combination. <laughs> it was Life of Agony, which was also an up-and-coming band, Deftones, and Anthrax. 
and we went primarily for the Deftones and Life of Agony. I wasn't Anthrax a little bit before my time. That was my brother's thing. Uh-huh. He listened to them. I knew them, but it was this time it was Deftones. After the set, I'm in the pit. I have a parka on because it's freezing outside, so I'm sweating bullets in a mosh pit. <laughs> and finally, their set's done. So I had to go to the bathroom to throw some water on my face and cool down. When I'm walking out of the bathroom, Abe, coming, you know, Abe the drummer, is coming in. Uh-huh. And you know, I just like, hey, you guys rocked it. You guys were great. And he was like, oh, thanks. He gave me a bunch of stickers. I was like, all right, cool. Um, went back, met up with my friends, handed them some stickers. Where'd you get these? Oh, I got them from Abe. Yeah, whatever. They, none of them believed me. <laughs> well, later in the night, we were ready to go, and we were wait, um, waiting for our ride in between the doorways uh-huh. of Mississippi Nights. That's where it was. Yeah. And here comes Abe through the doors, exiting the club, sees me. Gives me a high five. My friend's jaws dropped to the floor. <laughs> Let's see, I wasn't lying. And he starts exiting the other doors, you know, going through this little vestibule. And he stops and he's like, What are you guys doing? And it's like, Oh, we're just waiting for our friend. He drove. Gotta wait for him. And he was like, Well, I'm just across the street at the hotel. Do you guys wanna come hang? Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So we went upstairs and we hung out outside the room. The bassist, Chi, rest in peace, um, he was in there and so he wanted privacy. So we just hung out right in front of the room, just chatting. And then here comes Chino, the lead singer, and talking to them. And it wasn't you know like fanning out it was just kind of like how's the tour going the album's great you know what's it like you know performing with these guys or this guy and you know just picking their brains i love that and so that was really cool and they kind of abruptly ended because chino was ready to go to the casino and gamble (laughs) (laughs) that that was a fun time and then we'd see him again at the warp tour and now you're at a big festival, outdoor festival. And just ironically, my best friend Eric's wearing his Bad Brain shirt. And we're walking through all these people. And who's coming the opposite way? It's Abe, uh-huh. the drummer for the Deftones. And he stops. My friend Eric is like, that's a great shirt. And before we could get a word out, he was gone. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we know. We know. We've talked about this before with you. <laughs> you know, we wanted to say, remember me? <laughs> That's funny. So I'm sure you have some great stories, too. I've lucked out a couple times, yeah. Um, one time uh, up in Kansas City, we uh, we were at a... It was Offspring was the headliner. Oh, yeah. And uh, a bunch of other bands, too. They were playing outside there at... Uh, I'm not sure what the... What the something park, I think is what it's called. But uh, anyway, I was like, well, we just like see noodles who's the guitar player Mm -hmm. which i don't even know if he really goes by that anymore but the old that's what it said in the old like oh yeah everybody still says noodles so i see him and i was like 
oh, awesome, let's go meet him. And there's no security guard, like, to go through where you're not supposed to be, right? So um, my drummer at the time, is he's much younger, and he was just like, well, I was like, just, just go. Let's just go see if we can get an autograph um, or whatever. So we go. Right as we go, he went the other way, and here comes the little security guard around the corner. Of course, we don't have, you know, he's like, do you uh, got backstage your passes or whatever? And we were like, I was like, uh, and then right about this time, Noodles walks back over, and I was like, I see him. He's behind the security guy. I'm like, we just wanted to get a picture with Noodles. And the security guard looks around. Noodles is like, yeah, it's okay. It's cool. I was like, yes, cooler. <laughs> like, so we get to you know hang out with him for a minute, take some pictures, and talk a little bit. Timing is everything. And that was just like I was like, noodles said it was cool for us to get a picture. Like, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, saw Cheap Trick <laughs> at Six Flags in St. Louis, and after the show, Rick Nielsen is still on the stage gathering yeah. his own stuff up. That's crazy. And yeah, was, like he's picking his own stuff. Yeah. Was able to talk to him and get a guitar pick from him. That was pretty cool. Um, have guitar picks from Pearl Jam as well. Um, let's see. I'm, other cool stories. Well, a lot of them were during the radio days. Yeah. Definitely. Of course. You probably interviewed a lot of people on online or on the radio. And maybe people come in to the studio. Yeah, so working here at Double K Country, uh-huh. you know, we had the Colgate Country Showdown, so you always had artists coming in and performing afterwards. So there was one, Charlie Allen uh-huh. was his name, and he had a, you know, he was on the top 100 chart. It didn't, you know, it wasn't 40, 20 right. up there, but at the time he was doing pretty well for himself. And I remember after the show, we went to a restaurant. Now, you're going to have to help me with this. It was right there, parking lot of Sutherland's, blue building. There used to be a restaurant. Oh, that was... Um, uh, right there. That was called... Shoot. Um, well, anybody listening, they can yeah. drop a line to you <laughs> and let us know. So we're at the restaurant uh-huh. afterwards... Charlie Allen brings his guitar. We all eat our meal. You know, there's some libations being passed around. And Charlie's feeling good. And Charlie wants to do a, another show <laughs> right there, which was pretty cool. And everybody was happy about it. All the customers were pretty excited. And, well, he had too many libations. <laughs> so not only couldn't he strum the chords... I hate to out somebody, but it's a funny story. You know, he was a great guy. Um, Strummed the chords and kind of getting tipsy, like falling back onto the table and everything. Finally, we just kind of had to say, whoa, look at the time. You know, I got to go home. Charlie, let's get you to the hotel, you know. And then he contacted us a couple months later. And he sent this email with a picture of him and Steven Seagal sitting down, <laughs> both with guitars, and they were writing a song together. So I wonder if that song ever came out. Yeah, I don't Charlie know. Charlie Allen and Steven Seagal. I remember I had heard that Steven played, but... 
And then apparently he was pretty good. Like really? He was a really good guitar player. And maybe even Steven Seagal had maybe did some stuff with B.B. King at one time, which is like totally crazy. But, oh, nice. But yeah, I guess he was like better than you would, you know, you'd think. Um, but then just never really did anything with it. I mean, as far as like maybe he did something, but nobody really knows it as Steven Seagal if he did. <laughs> he released it as something else. <laughs> but I don't know. But those Colgate Country showdowns, I remember a lot yeah. of. Um, used to be a DJ at the old station in Kansas City would come down and be one of the judges, Dave Monday. Oh, yeah. And he was a big mentor. I picked his brain a lot after the shows. We'd go upstairs above CMJ. That was where my apartment was mm-hmm. when I first came down. And we would listen to The Police all night long. That was his favorite <laughs> band. So we, And I had those CDs. I love The Police as well. So we bonded over that. And that was great. And then I moved to Harrison, Arkansas, where I was working as a DJ for KHOZ 102.9. And that's a 100,000, what they call flamethrower, 100,000 watt flamethrower is what they <laughs> used to say back in the day. Um, on a clear day, you could hear it from Harrison, Arkansas, all the way to here. Oh, wow. In Nevada. And it was the biggest country radio station in Harrison-Branson area because it's only 30 minutes past Branson is sure. Harrison. So we got to do a lot of emceeing of shows in Branson. I had to get my lick, you know, I had to get my courage on and mm. get up in front of people and speak um, reluctantly, but I did it. And I'm glad I did. Um, I got to MC Mel Tillis and Brenda Lee. Oh, yeah. Nice. And a lot of younger folks are going, who? <laughs> um, a fun fact for those that don't know, um, Brenda Lee started on Ozark Jubilee, oh, which yeah. was a national television show yep. that was produced out of Springfield, Missouri yep. oh, yeah. in 1955. Yep. She made her appearance on that. And the list of people... That, you know, yeah. people don't know how rich this region is in music. Oh, yeah. You know? It was really huge, yeah. Johnny Cash was on there. Porter uh-huh. Wagner. You name it. They were on that show back then. Yeah. And talking to them, Mel Tillis, Brenda Lee, so nice, telling us about traveling on the road and everything else. That was a great memory. Um, another one was I got to do a radio interview with William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge boys. Your, We're going full circle band, from, yeah. from my dad's <laughs> band. And they were just opening up the Oak Ridge boys theater down there in Branson. Sure. But the agent specifically for William Lee Golden contacted us and emphasized, you know, I'm calling on behalf of him, not the band, not the new theater. He had just wrote a children's book. Okay. And he wanted to talk about that. So we set that up, and I had to call him at a certain time. Called him. He was locked out of his hotel room. He answered the phone right there in front of the door, (laughs) and we had the whole radio interview while he was standing there waiting to get back into his hotel room in Branson. (laughs) And it was the most surreal thing 
by mid-interview, I had realized he flipped it and he was interviewing me. <laughs> he was starting to ask me, you know, because he, you know, wrote a children's book, loves his grandkids, loves kids, all that stuff. So he's asking me about my kids. How old are they? You know, <laughs> how they're doing. And it was just, I was like, wow, he's good. <laughs> he should be at radio or something. Yeah. <laughs> But I was also fortunate enough to take, when they opened the theater, to take my dad to see him live for the first time. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So that, that was really cool. Could have interviewed the Beach Boys, turned it down. Uh, People are probably like, what? A um, little bit before my time. When, when Stamos was playing with them? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. When I was just a can l- I just little talk- lad hanging with the Tanners. Yeah, can I talk to John? Just John. <laughs> <laughs> but I was offered to go up to Branson and interview them and turned it down a little bit before my time. But also, I knew my program director at the time. That was her thing. That was her genre. That was her time in life sure. growing up. I said, do it. Just go do it and have a blast with yeah. it. I mean, just, just the fact that it was offered to me was pretty cool. That is cool, yeah. And, of course, you can't do radio without doing weather. Yeah. And going and doing news stories, um, was able to interview politicians. Mm-hmm. It was nice to do that as well. Um, one of the things I did when I was in broadcast school, I did an internship with Metro News, um, they're a national-wide news-gathering service, and a lot of my job was just to ask questions, not to hear me on air, because they cut that part, mm-hmm. but just to get the sound clip for their news stories for the radio stations. Yeah. And so I was able to interview mayors and governors of Missouri and Arkansas doing that. Wow. But my real passion about all of it was... Production. I found myself liking doing production and mm-hmm. being creative and doing those commercials way more than ever being on air. And I was fortunate enough to become program director down there in Branson, too, which taught me a lot. Taught me a lot more about marketing, taught me about promotions, real promotions. We would do CMA giveaways, ticket giveaways. What else? Um... Yeah, we did a whole trip to the CMAs. We did um, gas giveaways. This was right there, recession mm-hmm. time. This was near over $4, $5 gas. We were doing gas giveaways. That went over really big. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was nice. Everybody loves free gas. <laughs> and I got to do the Colgate Country Showdown down there as well. Oh, wow, yeah. They sponsored one in that region. And we did one at the Clay Cooper Theater. Right. With Clay Cooper was somebody we knew, my um, GM was friends with. Yeah. So got to meet him, got to do the Colgate Country Showdown. Um, and it was, it, it's surreal the fact that some of the bands, some of the singers that all sent in tapes to be on, in the showdown down there, these people travel. Camber Kane. Oh, was yeah. one of them that came down. Nice. And did the, you know, and of course, not just here, she, you know, she was good. Yeah. And so she made it to the show down there, of course, and I'm sure many others. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. And we have a lot of great talent around here. Yeah. You know, Marcy Mitchell, yeah. Camber Kane. 
you know, just Nevada itself, not just the region. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But those and Nevada's cool. own Joe Willis, you know, was the nephew of the Willis brothers. Yes. And he played and toured with them guys. And he uh, he knew Brenda Lee, too, and he might very well have played in her band for a while. I was told that, and this was, now this was back 2007, 2008, <clears throat> that somewhere down there, in the, right there in northeast Arkansas, Taylor Swift's touring manager is from oh i don't i don't know for sure but i don't either <laughs> why not duck there's a lot of good stuff going on in northeast and arkansas for of course sure. harrison arkansas is the home of joe nichols yeah tequila mixer close yeah. fall off as well he performed down there while i was at the station as well so so many great things yeah. come from music and it's nice. We live in a community that definitely supports their band, the high school mm-hmm. band and the choir, because there's a lot of schools out there that are pulling those programs completely, let alone, you know, taking money from them for another right. you yeah. know, part of the school. Yeah, we've got a really awesome um, like show choir program in here and stuff. And they've, they've just really done some really good stuff. And then, of course, our band, too. Like I said, our high school band. just Definitely. So, But it all comes full circle to those shows that you went and saw when you were a kid, to the music surrounding you. So the Red Cherry Alley is definitely, <laughs> definitely something cool to look forward to. This episode of Lunch with Doug is produced by the Music Exerbia Project and made possible by the Boutique Marketplace at 500 East Cherry Street in Nevada, Missouri. Karen McNair, the friendly neighborhood nutritionist at 269-267-4644. The Harry Frog Graphics, 150 North Commercial Street in fabulous Nevada, Missouri. Or call them at 417-381-1077. The second edition shop located at 500 East Cherry Street in fantastic Nevada, Missouri. The Main Square Cafe located on the square 121 North Main Street, Nevada, Missouri. The Gamers Fusion located at 617 East Cherry Street, Nevada, Missouri. Impact Graphics located at 14144 East Highway 54 or call them at 417-283-2056. The Nevada Tobacco and Liquor Store, located at 125 West Cherry Street in Nevada, Missouri. The Nevada Coin, 123 East Cherry Street, Nevada, Missouri.